0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, and welcome to the Believe in Hornets podcast on the Belief Podcast Network, presented by Bet Online. My name is Sam, uh, still dealing with the throat and vocal issue. Bear with me, but I have a very special guest today to help me get through. Uh, so you don't just have to listen to my terrible voice for this episode, Evan Birchmore. Swarm Stink contributor is uh, guesting with me today. Evan, how you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on.
0: Hey, my pleasure. My pleasure. Always, always happy to talk Hornets with uh, with folks. You know, it's a it's an interesting time to be a, a Hornets fan, a Hornets content creator, or anything in between, or all of the above. And we have some exciting things to talk about as we kind of look ahead into the off season and into next season. Uh, but before we get into all of that i just want to show some love to bet online for sponsoring the podcast you know we're in the early stages of july we have a lot of fun stuff is happening so head on over to betonline.ag for all your prop bets and futures bet online has all the latest odds news and information for all your online sports betting needs visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit so before the next tip off face off or pitch, head on over to bet online and start playing today, bet online, your online sports book experts all right, so Evan, man, like we are three weeks um from the draft, you know the hornets are picking eleventh in the draft uh, last week on this podcast and on my youtube channel i i'm I've come to the conclusion uh that I would prefer. The Hornets trade the 11th pick if they could. Um, After doing some research about the guys that could be available for the Hornets to uh, to draft at that 11th spot, I'm kind of conflicted now um, because I fell in love with a few guys who I would love to see play in Charlotte. So, first off, before we get into um, the draft itself, like where do where do you stand? You know, would you prefer the Hornets flip the pick for something? or stay where they are and uh, and take somebody there
1: yeah absolutely that's a great way of putting it sort of conflicted right i think we can all agree that the number one priority this offseason needs to be addressing the center rotation uh with cody zeller and uh biombo both entering free agency and it's really just a position where they they need a little more just in productivity Rim protection, rebounding, uh, some offense would be great. Somebody to run that pick and roll with LaMelo. The only problem is there's one elite big man in this draft, and he will be gone before the Hornets pick, and that's Evan Mobley. He'll probably be picked at the two spot, uh, if not third overall. And so some of the other big guys who've been projected are names like Kai Jones from Texas or uh, the Turkish product Alperin Singun, who I'm a big fan of. Uh, but it's it might be a little bit of a reach to get them at 11. It's sort of that odd spot where you can't really draft for need or else it might be a reach uh, potentially. But if you take the best player available, it's not really filling a need on the team. The best players available at that spot are likely to be wings or guards. And this team already has several good wings and guards. So that's not particularly filling a need per se, although those could be very useful players. So personally, I think 11. I think with Mitch Mitch Kupchak's uh, solid drafting history, I think we can do well at the 11 spot. Uh, But if the right offer is on the table, I'm definitely not opposed to packaging that uh, in a deal because these draft picks, uh, a lot of times they're they're honestly just sort of uh, 50-50 propositions. You know, you don't really know what you're getting. Whereas if you can turn that into a developed star or even just a solid rotational piece, you already know what you're getting in return. You're getting a certain a sure thing coming back on the other end of the deal. So I'm definitely not opposed to dealing the pick.
0: Yeah, so uh earlier today I rewatched uh Mitch Kupchak's end of season interviews. Like all the players got up there, had one on one time with the media. Uh Kupchak talked. It was a two parter on uh it's on it's 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 great. It's a great listen now. It's like a good refresher because they, they did that. <laughs> Credits to them. They did that like the day after the Pacers lost. So a lot of those guys were very sad <laughs> and you could tell on their faces. Um, but it was very clear that injuries let this team down. And which, or phrase it a different way, the, the depth let the team down um, as, we, as the calendar went from March, April to May. And then when it came down to that must-win game, the experience wasn't there. Terry Rozier talked about it—the need for veterans um, or guys that have been in that position before, who know what that's like, fighting for that like must-win um, scenario. On the in hindsight, it's glad I'm glad that our current players have been through that. They have experienced that, and they can use that experience to make sure it doesn't happen again. You know, but. Those words of like that veteran veteran or experienced or just improving the talent on the team that put me into the we need to trade the pick or the Hornets need to trade the pick mode. But looking at the um, the players that could come to this team through the draft at that 11th spot, there is a lot to be excited about. You know, it's very different from last year. Um Picking top three versus picking eleven, not as exciting, but there is a lot of possibilities here, and I think a lot of opportunity to to improve the depth on the team in the short term and long term. You just never really know. So when when I uh, when I am looking at these guys, I, I want to dismiss. Like this is this is turning into a therapy session. So here we go. Uh, I want to dismiss the guys that are projects or like high upside, but. Don't aren't ready to contribute now because I want this team to be competing for the playoffs. That's that's the uh, you know, uh, Brego's contract is running out. You know, Kupchek talked about wanting to make a playoffs. That's why Hayward got that contract. But it, it's there's a bigger a bigger like uh, goal in mind. You know, it's not about next season. It's about the next several seasons. So what, is, what are your thoughts on just how the Hornets can manage the short term and long term goals? Uh, through this draft period? Because then, you know, free agency, who knows what comes out of that? You know, a lot of uh, variables in that with restrictive free agency and our in our current unrestricted free agents.
1: Right, absolutely. And that's a terrific point you raise uh, as far as just the timeline of the team, right? I think we'd all agree Lamelo is that centerpiece. Obviously, he's very young, but you don't want to get into a situation where let's say he develops, hits his peak, but then your second, third best players are still developing or, you know, the the veterans on the team might start to age a little bit. It's sort of that you have to hit it where they they hit their arc and they hit their peak all simultaneously, or at least somewhat simultaneously. So I definitely agree, you know, and like I mentioned, the big men who I uh, have my eye on, Kai Jones and uh, then Singun, they're both very, you know, sort of, especially Jones especially sort of project type pieces where they might not be able to contribute at a high level the first year. The flip side of that is do we go the free agent route? Do you get a player like Rashawn Holmes or do you trade for a Miles Turner? Somebody who you know what you're going to get and they're going to give you that night one of next season and they're going to give you that for 82 games and you're just really going to know what you're getting. So it's, it's kind of that Do you you look at the long term or do you look at 2022? Let's make a run at it. The East could be open. Let's see what we can do.
0: Yes. So I'm so glad you brought up the East because uh, I was just to talk about, just to like kind of set the table on like a sense of urgency. The Hornets may be feeling here. The Eastern Conference next year is going to be a madness. I think, you know, this, the Sixers, I have no idea what's going to happen with that. So remove them. But every other team, the Nets will be back and healthy and better. I think the Bucks will be better. Uh, the Knicks are, are going in the right direction. They'll be improved. The Hawks definitely are going in the right direction. The Heat will be better. The Celtics, I don't know. I don't know about the Wizards. I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. But the Pacers, the Bulls, full year of Vucevic. Who knows what to expect from them? The Raptors, if they bring back Lowry plus with their top pick, who knows what they can pull off? The Cavs, eh, I don't know. I don't know about them. But, and then the magic of the Pistons are them. But I look at the, the landscape of the Eastern Conference as a not anywhere near as good as the West. But the teams, and the Hornets could be in this mix. They should be in this mix. The teams that missed the playoffs or in the bottom half of the Eastern Conference last year could make the jump and be a factor in the Eastern Conference. And the Hornets could lose their spot. I look at Indiana as, you know, with Rick Carl out there, with, that, with all the talent they have as a team that can pull away from the Hornets, you know, they we're 9-10 and 10 in the East. They can, I think they could, they could be a 5-seed. Who knows what could happen in the East? So I wonder if, like, Jack and MJ have that in the back of their mind, that if they don't do anything this year, they can be left behind. But, like we mentioned earlier, there's a bigger picture, a bigger plan, bigger goals at, at hand here beyond just the one season. Um, so just kind of pivoting to the draft itself, I have, what's the number here, uh, 12 guys that I think just, I, I just all right, so basically what I did, I went on everybody's website and looked at all the mock drafts and guys who would be in that range, for uh, the 11th pick range. Uh, I'm just going to read them off really quickly for the folks listening, and then I'm going to ask you who, if I don't mention a guy who am i missing all right that cool
1: yeah absolutely
0: all right so what i did i went i'm gonna read off the sources here i went on to es i went on all these all the mock drafts from like espn ringer sports illustrated cbs athletic like all these different sites and got a bunch of names these 12 names and then i went on those individual sites big boards averaged those rankings and then like so this is the order like the uh the average rank from all the experts, I guess, uh, okay so of a
1: uh, weighted average exactly yeah. Draft. so yeah
0: okay. so you won't have like uh um Evan Mobley in this list, for instance, so
1: right right
0: the the top it peaks at the average rank and like average big board rank at seven point seven five so I'm going from there from well, not you know top to bottom, uh, which isn't too far down uh so Scotty Barnes at 7.75, James Boonight, Keon Johnson, Josh Giddy, Franz Wagner, my favorite name, Moses Moody, Kai Jones, Corey Kispert, uh, Jalen Johnson, um, Sengen, I'm going to struggle with that name. I got to learn it if the Hornets draft it. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. Usman Garbora and Isaiah Jackson. Is there any name there that you think the Hornets – that are in the Hornets range that should be kind of in the conversation.
1: Right. Uh, that I didn't mention. Not to sort of make the same point uh, again, but um, as far as that big man need, and I actually did an off season piece for Charlotte here recently. I had, uh, I had Singun mocked to Charlotte. Jones is another name to keep an eye on. I'm personally a little higher on Singun. Uh, but then as far as those other guys, uh, Isaiah Jackson is a big, Franz Wagner is kind of a, I don't want to call him a tweener. He's, he's an undersized big. He's about six, nine, uh, but he can play big. And uh, Singun's only six ten. Uh, then Jones, Kai Jones is seven feet. So kind of depending on how much you value the height as far as in that big man position. Uh, but as far as uh, the other guys, you know, Josh Giddey is one that I, that I have had my eye on for quite a while. He's kind of been projected as almost a, a younger, kind of a Gordon Hayward light, at least early on. He I don't, he'll, he, won't come in and be immediately as good as Gordon Hayward is currently, but it's kind of in that mold, athletic wing, big, can get to the basket. Kispert is, I think, in my opinion, the best shooter in this draft, and if there's anything that you can always use more of, especially in the modern NBA, it's three-point shooting. So Corey Kispert, uh, there at 11, I, I'm not sure, I've seen him mocked actually higher than 11, and then I've also seen him mocked a good bit lower than 11, so I think again we're just kind of in that muddy territory as far as you don't really know who's going to be available. The first four are pretty much a consensus. There's a few guys after that, but then even names like Moses Moody, who I'm high on, I keep up with uh, SEC basketball, so saw him uh, play for Arkansas, and he you know has been projected. I've seen at the eight spot quite often for him, but it wouldn't be totally shocking if he slips to 11, and I would love that pick at 11 because. I feel like you'd be getting a really good value for somebody who expected to come off the board earlier than
0: that. Yeah. So uh, going back to Kisper for a second, uh, Bleacher Report, do not like him at all. <laughs> He's 27th on their on their big board, really bringing down his average as I was doing this. But like from ESPN to like ESPN, NBA DraftNet, Ringer, uh, Sports Illustrated, CBS, Sporting News, uh, Athletic all have them between 13 and 15 and then Bleach Report, 27. They hating over there. Uh, And his comps, by the way, you mentioned the shooting, um, where Bohan, Joe Harris, Gary Trent Jr., Wally Zerbiak, like that that type of guy, uh, an actual shooting specialist. The Hornets have plenty of guys that can shoot the ball, but nobody whose bread is made from shooting the ball from three. And having that, 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 that is sorely missed because every team in the playoffs has that in abundance and the Hornets don't have that one guy. And Great. so I would love that. I would love that, that three point specialist to come through to Charlotte in some form or fashion.
1: Right. Absolutely. I think, uh, and I, I have seen that Joe Harris comparison as well for Kispert. Now, one thing that, that, that's sort of in my mind, as far as that's concerned is, and I like Joe Harris, I'm, I'm high on him as a, you know, he's a crucial part of what uh, what's going on in Brooklyn. Uh, I do wonder, and he's been there for for several years, and he he was there before, you know, this big three this past season. But I do think he's elevated by that big three, as any player would. You know, when you play with three future Hall of Famers, you're going to have your game elevated by that. So if, if uh, let's say, Kispert comes in and he's sort of a, a Joe Harris clone, uh, if you will, I'm not totally sure if he'll hit – if you'll reproduce what Joe Harris is doing in Brooklyn, it might be unfair as Hornets fans or for the Hornets to expect him to come in and just totally emulate what Joe Harris is doing because he's not surrounded by James Harden and Kevin Durant and Kyrie. And for that matter, Blake Griffin as well. Uh, so I do think he can be a very good player. I just think he expecting him to kind of get the shine. And even if you go based on, you know, the national attention and whatnot, he, he probably won't come in immediately and, be that sort of guy, but he can be a very crucial player on a team. We uh, like, again, we all need every team needs knockdown three point shooting. That's always going to be a need.
0: Yeah. And you know, there's, there's stretches about watching the Hornets and they're just clanking threes. And it's like, Oh man, Uh, there's a lot of streaky shooters on the, on the squad. And a guy like that to turn to would be useful to say the least. Um, a guy who I'm quickly being like becoming a big fan of, um, isn't known for his shooting, but he can do a lot of fun things. He would add to the, he would up the fun levels for the Hornets, guaranteed. I don't know about anything, any other basketball stuff, but for sure, he would add to uh, the highlights on on Sports Center, and that is uh, Keon Johnson. Hey, this guy, this guy right here. The, I'm having, uh, <laughs> I'm having uh, images of him running the floor with Malik. Lamelo and Bridges and just dunking on everybody, and oh, man, it that that image plus the Sprewell com- uh, uh, uh comparisons make me want this guy to come here. I he had an interview. He worked out for the Hornets uh, today or yesterday, and um, he said all the right things in front of the media. Like this was his first NBA uh, pre-workout. Uh, here in Charlotte. So I'm like, oh, man, this guy, he's, he's well within the range. I think he has a ton of upside using that athletic ability. Like he, he's the record for the vertical um, in the draft combine. Like there's so much to kind of eat up with him. But with this, what's the story? Like he started playing basketball in high school. Is that right? Right, and, right. And yeah. So what's your take on, on Keon Johnson and how he could fit in with this team?
1: Yeah, I definitely see him sort of blending in as far as that you say. Yeah, you can kind of envision him and Miles. Uh, I almost see it. Lamelo leading a break, Miles Bridges on his right hand side, Keon Johnson on the left. Oh man, side. who, do,
0: who do you defend? And, There's so, so many you options. Take your
1: pick on who to throw the lob to, right? Yeah. So, so, and I definitely, and as far as the shooting is concerned, and he's not a knockdown shooter at this point. But my thing that I always go back to, especially with draft prospects, one. They're so young, and a lot of them are coming out of. You you know, they don't. They're not staying in college for four years anymore. That's a thing of the past. You know, really, the last great player who stayed all four years, you can argue, was Tim Duncan, and that was two decades ago. I mean, so they're coming into the league. They're not finished products as a basketball player yet. So it's important to keep that perspective. To where, if Keon Johnson comes in next year, and let's say hypothetically Charlotte drafts him. And he struggles from three-point range. We shouldn't just immediately call him a bust. He, you know, he, he's not a finished product yet as a basketball player. And and the learning curve is just so steep. That being said, I love his attitude too. And so that's what I always go back to is, is this player appearing to be willing to work on these things in his game where, and have a level of self-awareness where he can say, okay, I'm not a great shooter right now. I'm, I can work on that though. I can get with the shooting coach, just get in the gym, whatnot work on that while leaning on my strengths my athleticism my incredible vertical leap you know I can be a good teammate with with these guys here in Charlotte Uh, and all those things I would check all those boxes on Keon Johnson so that's one where uh, and I have seen that mock you know I haven't seen him mock to Charlotte as often as some of the other guys because I'm not sure it really fits the biggest need but again at that point you know it's the whole drafting need versus drafting best available or what you see as being the best, best available. Uh, so I, I definitely, I'm high on Keon Johnson. I'm, I would be excited about that pick.
0: And going back to the shooting piece, what I really love is that, so he shot 27% from three in school, but he took less than two, 1.8, three points, three pointers a game. So yes, I think he, that tells me he knows what he's good at and what he is, what he's good and what he's not good at. Right, exactly. Like that's a decent. I'll 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 allow it. And then overall, he was taking nine shots a game in school. Which fast forward, say the Hornets draft him, he's not taking a bunch of shots here in Charlotte. You know, especially as a rookie off the bench, most likely. So right, right. That tells me he can. You know, he can he can get it. He doesn't need the ball. And looking at his athleticism, right place, right time. This team kind of thrives off energy. We saw the dip the Hornets went through without Miles Bridges. Miles Bridges. Carrying the like energy, load on his back, isn't fair to him. So have another guy you know, with Malik. And hopefully, Malik comes. I'm saying this assuming Malik Monk comes back. I hope he comes right, back. Right, right, right. Um, if he doesn't, honestly, Keon Johnson could be the Malik replacement. Like he doesn't have that that like killer jumper, but who knows? He may develop into that.
1: Right, exactly. And I love that you mentioned that. You know, as far as the statistics go, and he didn't shoot that many threes, that's that's self-awareness in my yep. book. I remember, you know, this is going back several years, but uh, on, on the Atlanta Hawks of the late 2000s, Josh Smith, super athletic wing, could, could, you know, dribble defense, you know, just athletic, but he wasn't a great three-point shooter And for years and years and years. He shot a lot of threes, although he was not very good at shooting threes. He was, you know, a sub-30% three-point shooter. And there was one year... Uh, and where he just, I think, I believe it was the 2010 season. He just decided not to shoot any threes. So I actually, uh, I was just curious one time and I looked up his stats and he was like, he was 0% on threes that year. He didn't shoot any threes for like the whole year, uh, I believe. And so it was just, you know, know what your strengths are. Now, obviously, I don't think that Keon Johnson is just going to totally ignore that part of his game, but maybe he's not going to, you know, work on it outside of, outside of the actual games do what you're best at bring those strengths to the team and, and develop as a player because like again he's he's still developing as a player all of these guys are
0: yeah and he spoke about um in the um, in his media availability after his pre-draft workout and that he needs to improve his shooting he needs to improve his defense and that's what you want to hear a guy who's self-aware of what his weaknesses are and he's gonna hopefully take the time out to 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 you know, to fix those things. So if he's there, if it be, if he's a, a Charlotte Hornet at the end of the month, I will not be mad at it at all. Um, I want to go back to Moses Moody because he's a dude that looks too good to be true. Like as far as being available for the Hornets at 11, what he can offer as a wing, like his, the people are comparing him to Donovan Mitchell, um, Mikhail Bridges, uh Robert Covington, like, is he? Could he be the three and D answer the Hornets are looking for?
1: I absolutely think he could. You, you know, and and he's another one that I'm high on. Having said, uh, I watched him at Arkansas a good bit because I keep up with the SEC for basketball, really for all sports. But uh, as far as that three and D guy, too, that's really, you know, not to. I know it gets cliched quite often, but that's just the two most crucial skills in today's game. It's get a three stop the other team from making a three and if you have a guy that can do both of those things you're golden i mean what did los angeles go after in free agency two? the clippers go after two years ago two great three and d guys Kawhi and paul george you know the lakers have lebron three and d guy donovan mitchell donovan mitchell like you mentioned every contending team has a three and d guy most likely at a high level at least those championship caliber teams so i really could see moses moody coming into charlotte and uh, filling that ideal role because As far as the pieces on the team now, you know, we say LaMelo. He's not really a three and D guy on the wing. I mean, he's a point guard, right? He's the distributor, which you need that as well. And he does that at a high level. And he plays his position incredibly well. Uh, And the other guys are sort of, you know, I feel like it's a lot of guys who can knock down threes, but they're not locked down on defense. Or maybe they're really great on defense. They're streaky from the three or they're great at driving to the hoop, you know, once you get sort of those multifaceted players, which I really can see Moses Moody developing into, that's kind of where your team as a whole, I think, develops and, and takes that next step.
0: And another guy that the Hornets are working out or worked out was Jalen Johnson. Um, let, let me take you through the emotion roller coaster I went through with him. Okay, so I hate his comps. I don't like it at all. Uh, I like the individual players, but for what the Hornets need in 2021 – I don't like it. Uh, then some of the comps, people compare him to Jalen Johnson from Duke. Uh, Aaron Gordon, Rudy Gay, Steven Jackson, which depends on, like, what about Steven Jackson? If it's the Steven Jackson that I like, the, the, fight, the, the fighter Steven Jackson, I'll love that from Jalen Johnson. I always like having those guys on my team. Uh, and then TJ Warren. Okay. So that was initially off-putting to me. Um, but then I look at what he did at Duke. And I know it was limited. Um, He had an ankle injury, right? Um, And so he missed a a decent amount of time.
1: uh, Yeah, he had an injury, and then he ended up, uh, I guess, withdrawing from the season or opting out of the remainder of the season. Um, At at a certain point, he just opted out for the rest of the
0: season. Yeah, so this is a very small sample size. But in what we've seen from him at Duke, 50% from the floor, 44% from three. Like, give me that. Like the, that completely, completely sold me on him. Um, what is he, 6'8"? Like obviously a very good athlete already. Um, not loving that he's already been through an injury, but it happens, you know? Just still not over what happened to the Hornets at the tail end of last year. But what's your take on Jalen Johnson as one of the few guys that I've had a chance to work out for the Hornets thus far?
1: Yeah, and again, you know, uh, uh, anytime there's a guy coming out of Duke, you know, Right up the road, the local product, you, you kind of feel like it might be a good match. Uh, but that being said, you, you know, what are you getting? And like we said, we really didn't see that much of him. He got hurt and then he opted out. Uh, I would say high level playmaker, you know, and has the ability to become a good passer in the half court. So Lamelo, like we mentioned, is going to be that primary distributor. But you need guys who can make those kind of secondary passes, those sort of, uh, they call it like the hockey assist. Like Lamelo will hit Jalen Johnson and then Jalen Johnson hits Miles Bridges on a cut for a dunk or something like that. You you have to have guys who have that good court vision and kind of look, you know, ahead of the play, not just have tunnel vision and let me go get, get a bucket. Uh, as far as maybe some drawbacks that I have uh, for Jalen Johnson and for his draft uh, draft capabilities, uh, kind of the shooting, it, it might need to come a little more ways as far as just uh, being able to have good form and the percentages and just sort of, knowing what you're getting every time is from a shooter perspective Uh, and then also with contact at the rim and he kind of seemed like at times he he kind of avoided contact at the rim and I don't know if that was a mental thing or some guys if you know maybe they don't have a ton of confidence in their free throw shooting they sort of shy away from contact at the rim Uh, I I saw a little bit of that in him in the limited sample size that I did see him in uh, but it's a good sign that he worked out with the team you know and obviously someone who's very very talented he was one of the big Time recruits last year in college basketball, so uh, I sort of always tend to favor those sort of guys. Even in my uh, off-season piece for Swarm and Sting that I wrote, two guys I had mocked in the second round to Charlotte were Matthew Hurt out of Duke and uh, Quentin Grimes from Houston, who were both five-star recruits and are both being mocked uh, with second-round grades. And in my opinion there was a reason that they were five-star recruits not all that long ago. And so it maybe was just a coaching thing or it was just some sort of a a disconnect or, you know, even this past year, it's, I hate to say, uh, you know, COVID this and COVID that, but it really was, you know, I just think it was a difficult year to evaluate a lot of players. And so I kind of always tend to side on the player who, you know, has proven at least at some point that, that the talent is there, then maybe once he's in the building and we, we have him on the team, we can work on the mechanics or the mindset and the technical basketball things.
0: Oh, yeah. So I like in the, I, I go back to, you mentioned COVID. I go back to Vernon Carey, Nick Richards, um, even LaMelo. You know, there's no summer league. Um, these guys had, at one point throughout the season, these guys were training all over Zoom. Like, it was a very weird situation for all the young players. And I'm kind of curious, you know, just kind of get away from the, these rookies, if we see last year's rookies really take a leap um, because they have a full year to go through a normal cycle that they missed out on because of COVID. And maybe the Hornets can be beneficiaries of that. I don't know. But that's just a, a general kind of tangent of what you said because um, – some of these guys can take a major leap going through a a normal year, so to speak.
1: Right. No, I absolutely agree. And I, I fully expect them to, as far as you mentioned that normal off season. I mean, just think about it from their perspective. You're drafted, you're moving to a brand new city. You have to meet everybody virtually. You can't meet your teammates. You can't practice in person. You can't, you know, summer league and, and whatnot. Just, it's really the only rookie class in, in, the, I'm not sure of another scenario or another instance where there were such uh, just odd and, you know, unusual circumstances that they were having to come into. And so uh, two things uh, I think that really helped them develop. Well, one, I think in a way they, they kind of had to grow some, some thick skin and kind of persevere through that. I mean, as everybody has in the past year uh, or, you know, year and a few months, but as far as just that's concerned, they had to overcome so much even just to be able to play this year and playing in front of no fans and having to sort of motivate yourself, you know, back in the early parts of the year when there were no fans in the building and whatnot. And then again, just a, a normal offseason, a normal, you know, another year on the training table, another year in the weight room, uh, kind of that, that sophomore leap. Uh, I know people say sophomore slump a lot. And maybe some teams are able to scheme you better and figure out your game a little more and you get more tape on you. But I think just having that normal off season uh, and that normal sense of sense of normalcy and being able to be around your team more and develop that chemistry, there is, you know, I think a lot of value in the human aspect of of a team and of a player's development. So I really expect, uh, you know, the the second year guys to be, take a big leap as well.
0: Yeah, man. Like these guys had to deal with so much, you know. Like um, in the grand scheme of things, I did sports after all. I don't want to overstate it, given like how terrible twenty twenty and 2021 part parts of where you know but these guys you know trying to play basketball they don't we're trying to follow the rules if they break a rule they'll be out for 10 days like walking on eggshells just trying to get by like they couldn't even sit next to their teammates it's crazy yeah it was necessary i don't want to undersell it now but these guys had to deal with a lot things that no player had to deal with previously so i give them credit for for going out there so if, you know being hard on any of these rookies from last year, cut them some slack. We'll see what they do next year. Um, what is, the, in your opinion, the perfect offseason for the Hornets? Like if you could fantasy book the draft, the free agency period, if you want to work in some trades, what happens with the current roster? What do they add to it? What, could, what gets subtracted? Lay it out for me.
1: Right, absolutely. And so that's great you ask. So, uh, like I mentioned, I did that off season piece uh, this week for, for the site for Swarm and Sting, but that was more of a, I don't want to say I was selling things short, but it, it had more, I prefaced it with that. It was kind of realistic, right, as far as the salary cap goes and maybe what guys would be, you know, wanting or interested to come to Charlotte in the first place. But as far as a dream scenario goes, uh, I, I would think that uh, a guy, either one of two things, Miles Turner ends up in Charlotte or Rashawn Holmes ends up in Charlotte. I think those would just be your ideal uh, circumstances. And the more and more I watch the tape and kind of read read, and do my research on things, I'm really intrigued by the possibility of Rashawn Holmes uh, in Charlotte. And just watching his tape, I think the most underrated skill of his is his passing out of the pick and roll. I just imagine a Lamello and Rashawn Holmes pick and roll where Rashawn Holmes gets the feed from Lamello and then is able to pass to Miles Bridges on a cut, or Malik Monk on a cut, or, you know, maybe even a Keon Johnson on a cut, we hope. Uh, Just, I get really excited thinking about that. And then also, he was a defensive anchor in Sacramento last year. Now, uh, based on the team defense, their team defense was not very good, but he individually was very good and kind of held things together there. Uh, The only issue I have, or not even an issue, but sort of a question mark, is the contract. What's he going to be looking for? Now, just crunching the numbers, it is going to be hard for Sacramento to, It might be a little difficult for them to be able to bring him back based on what is reported that he's seeking, which is uh, four years and $80 Uh, Now, Charlotte can match that. Charlotte has a good amount of cap space this offseason for the first time in what seems like a long time. Uh, That's the case. But I'm not sure. They would essentially have to max that out, or not max him, obviously, on a max deal. But they, they would be using up most of that cap space to get Rashawn Holmes. Now, I'm very high on him. I'm just not sure if that's what they want to do. Although that would be a win now move. And like we had talked earlier, you know, could be a direction they look to take things. Uh, Miles Turner coming in would uh, require a trade. So I have seen some mocks for that. I think 11 may be included in that, uh, you know, if that's something that ends up happening. And I like Miles Turner too. As far as Rashawn Holmes, though, he is a free agent. So a little easier to acquire. Although free and free agent, you know, air quotes around the word free, he's not free to acquire. You're going to have to. You know, certainly, I would think if Holmes comes in, then Cody Zeller and Biombo would be would be gone, which may very well happen. Anyways, one or both of Malik Monk and Devonte Graham might have to leave. Uh, you know, if if Rashawn Holmes comes in just to free up the cap space for him, so uh, you know, you you get a little, but you also have to give a little uh, in in return. So that's for the center spot as far as the draft goes. If 11 is what we hold on to, and if they select that 11. Uh, I'm I'm very very high on Singun. I, I think that that's sort of a good spot to. It's a it's a congruence of need versus talent on the board and talent available. So I'm really high on his talent. He won MVP of the Turkish Super League at 18 years old. That's a very impressive thing to do. That's a, you know, a legitimate league. Uh, the Turkish Super League is a real league in Europe with real talented players. The only thing with him is he does need to improve the three point shot. Although he didn't shoot very many. He shot 21 threes over an entire season, which is not many at all. And he shot 81% at the foul line. So he's a good shooter. He just hasn't really expanded his game or expanded his range out to the three-point arc. I'm not worried about that. I think he'll be able to to work on that. Uh, If he is the selection, I've seen him compared to uh, Vucevic up in Chicago, as well as Sabonis, Devontae Sabonis in Indiana. I really like the Sabonis comp. Uh, and something interesting, interesting that I actually noted the other day was that Sabonis was picked 11th as well overall, back in the 2016 draft. He was uh, drafted 11th to Orlando, and then uh, traded to Oklahoma City in exchange for Serge Ibaka. So, with all that being said, uh, I think either of those would be, you know, what I would qualify as a ideal offseason. I would love to see both Devontae and Malik back next year. I'm really high on both of them, and I think that just keeping that young core together. I almost – I don't want to set up an unfair expectation, but you see what Atlanta did in the offseason – or pardon me, in the postseason this year, and just that young nucleus. And it seems like every night you kind of expected Trey to play well, but then beyond that there would be another guy, you know, uh, Bogdanovich and uh, Kevin Herter or Gallinari. And it's guys who have been there, and they're not necessarily stars outside of Trey, but it's kind of guys. And there's something to be said for the chemistry they had together on the court. John Collins, another one, you know, excellent uh, young big man out of Wake Forest. So I just think there's a certain value in that. And I would really love for those guys to come back. Although it definitely, uh, you know, if, if Holmes comes in and gets the money that he's reported to be uh, searching, then it might require having to let one of those guys uh, walk out of the door.
0: Yeah. Uh, just on the Holmes point, it's, I, when I, you know, Hornets don't play him, they don't, they don't play the Kings all the time. Uh, when I just have just nightmares of him just beasting on the boards against us. But he's a very, very, like, respectable face-up player. Like he'll, he shot 50, uh, yeah, like 50%, fifty I believe, from 3 feet to 10 feet out. You know, he took, just for comparison, uh, Rashawn Holmes took 100, 163 shots from 3 feet to 10 feet away from the rim. Cody Zeller took 89, and then only nine shots from 10 to 16 feet. Holmes took 148. To have a center on the floor that you have to defend away from the rim, away from the paint, will really open things up for the rest of the squad and really give Borrego some decent options. And then we know Miles Turner, like, Holmes doesn't shoot threes. He shot 11 threes all year. Uh Turner's not afraid to shoot him um, he's like a 33 percent ish uh, shooter from three but again you have to defend it you have to respect it and we don't have a guy that does that currently so that would be a huge 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 dub for the Hornets if they can get a center through the draft through free agency through trade what have you that has to be defended out there just to put us at parity with the rest of the league
1: Right. Right. Oh, and I agree. And even just like you mentioned, just to keep the defense honest, just to draw their rim protector out and away from the basket. I mean, we even see, you know, I really like Rudy Gobert, but in the playoffs, it seems like every year, whoever ends up eliminating Utah. And this year is the Clippers are able to get him away from the basket because he's a rim protector, but he's not a perimeter defender. Right. And so if you're able to draw him out just a little bit, you sort of mitigate what he does best and having a guy in Rashawn Holmes who could do that i think this would do wonders for for the whole offense and just really open things up i also love that he's a a pretty good free throw shooter as far as for a center as concerned he was 79.4% uh last year we'll round that up to 80% given the benefit of the doubt but you can't just you know it's never going to just become hacker rashawn as long as he can keep that up right he's not going to be sort of a late game liability at the free throw line because that's the thing with all these Or I say all these, there's just a few players who they just struggle so much at the line. I think, you know, prime DeAndre Jordan or, you know, Giannis or Ben Simmons, Shaq, you know, is the one most famous for the hack of Shaq. You just think that they're they're such dominant players or can be so dominant for, you know, almost four whole quarters of a game But then the last three minutes of the game or two minutes. You know, it becomes difficult to have them in the game because they can't make a free throw. And so the other team's going to target that. And it just, I feel like all too often it comes down to that. So uh, I'm really uh, glad that he's a good free throw shooter. I would be really just ecstatic if, if Charlotte can can pull that off and get him in free agency.
0: All right, I'm going I'm to get you out of here on, on this. It's my favorite fake trade. Let me know your thoughts, okay? Got it, I'm ready. All right, the Hornets package in a sign-in trade. This year's 11th overall pick. And Devontae Graham, and so it's he'd have to agree to go there,
1: uh, right? Right.
0: To Chicago for Laurie Markinen in another sign of trade. The Ooh. bull, the Bulls don't have a pick this year.
1: Okay, so they the, would they would be looking for to acquire a pick. That that makes sense. Yeah, this
0: gets them back in the draft this year. They get another guard, so their guard situation would really improve. I think. Uh, Devontae, I think Devonte would start over Kobe White there. Devontae, Kobe White, Zach Levine in the backcourt. Hornets get a big that can shoot. Um, they'd be foregoing their pick this year, but I don't think the I don't know if the Bulls would do it. But would you give up Devonte and a pick for marketing? If not, why not? And what would you give up? Right. If, See, if I'm I definitely would have
1: done that if you had asked me that two off seasons ago, I would have not had a second thought about it. Uh, I just, I guess I do have a little hesitation with Markkinen as far as I do feel like maybe he's, I don't want to say regressed a little bit, but I mean, statistically, he has regressed a little bit. Maybe that's just how the team in Chicago there is using him or, you know, some other external factors possibly. I mean, he's obviously talented. He put up, you know, just about 19 points a game as a second year player just two years ago. So he has the talent, and like we've said, 11th pick, you know, there is potential, but also these draft picks, they don't always hit, especially when you get further and further away from that top, you know, top three, top five sort of range. And then Devontae, there's a potential that we lose him anyways, entering free agency. So if you think about it from the perspective of essentially trade, like straight up Devontae or Laurie Markkinen, and then 11, I'm... Not totally against that. I I just feel like personally, I if I were GM of the Hornets, I would not do it. But as far as what I would give up for him, I mean, they're going to want eleven. I feel like because if they have no draft capital, that's you know that that's gold to them. So I feel like that's kind of what you would have to give up. Because I'm not sure what other player they would really be interested in. I don't foresee them having a big need for you know biombo or Cody Zeller in a sign and trade. We're obviously not trading. Lamello we wouldn't trade Gordon or Terry there, so I think that would be the trade that would make the most sense, either him or Malik, although between Malik and Devante, I think they'd probably I think Charlotte would probably want to keep Malik if they had to pick one or the other, although I would love for them to bring back both, like I said that's interesting though I haven't actually seen that trade anywhere, so that that's a I'll have to give that some more thought as well right now, I say no, but but I'll have to, have to dwell on that one a little longer.
0: Yeah, it, it, I just want to prey on Chicago's potential desperation. That's all, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, absolutely.
1: And In Chicago, like you mentioned, I, I just think that obviously they missed the playoffs last year. But yeah. and, and um, as far as earlier, we mentioned the East and sort of the tiers of the East, right? I did another piece that was a, a 2022 season outlook piece. And where I sort of divided the East up into tiers, right? And this was before the whole... Sixers sort of inglorious flame out against Atlanta. So this was assuming that Ben Simmons doesn't get moved. This was assuming no big trades or anything. Uh, it was Philly, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee as the top three. Again, a really large sort of middle-class second tier, if you will, there in the East. And the only three teams that I foresee, you know, not being competitive would be Detroit, Cleveland, uh, and then uh, who else was it? It was Detroit and Cleveland. Washington and Indiana, I could foresee entering rebuilds. It just depends on, you know. Oh, Orlando? Orlando, that was it. Yeah. Orlando and Cleveland and Detroit. Uh, I just, there are good pieces there, but just as far as next year, it's a little bit early for them to compete in my imagination. So, uh, as far as that's concerned, I definitely could see Chicago making a win-now move and and getting Devontae, uh, that might be kind of a lateral move in their opinion. They might have kind of gotten worn out on Laurie Marketing for all we know. So I wouldn't be totally shocked if that ends up on the table.
0: Yeah, and uh I've I gotta have a standard Devonte disclaimer. I love Devontae Graham. I hope he stays here. I want him to stay here. And if for somehow, if somehow he leaves Charlotte and it's anything other than like the most classy thing possible by the organization. They are, he, he seems to really love it here. And the fan base here, there's really there's a strong connection with him. There's some like real, like, karmic collateral that could happen if you believe in that type of thing, if the Hornets part way with Devontae in a less than ceremonious way. Um, I would hate for that to happen to the franchise. Just, just because his whole story, being a North Carolina guy, his, his dog's name is Charlotte. Like,
1: Right, right, There's right.
0: That we're, we're playing with the narrative here if the Hornets ship him out of town in a, in, in a less than classy way. I don't think they will. I think wherever he goes, there'll be a place he wants to go and everything will be amicable. But we're playing with fire there. We're playing with fire there. Uh, so just got to throw that out there. I love Devontae. I hope he stays. But alarm marketing wouldn't be bad. Just saying. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, just, you know, just to round out the Rocks. Like, round out the roster a little bit more. And then, you know, opens up a spot for Brad Watermaker to come back, you know? bring back Big Bunny Brad. Who knows? Who knows what could (laughs) happen? Big Bunny
1: Brad. I hadn't (laughs) heard that before. That's a good
0: one. Oh, man, on my live streams um, on my YouTube channel, people love him. Like, they call him Whataburger. It's it's the best. It's the best. Um, Who knows what happens with him? I would love him for him to come back. Wouldn't hate it. Like, third guard off the bench. Third point guard off the bench. Excuse me. As, like, the 10th or 11th man. Not mad at it. Who knows? Who knows? But hey, yo, Evan, thank you so much for hopping on with me. I appreciate it and being a guest on the podcast.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: Yeah, anytime, anytime. So uh, thank you so much out there to you people listening to the Believe in Hornets podcast on the Belief Podcast Network, presented by Bet Online. Um, before we go, Evan, uh, I think we gave you a shout out at the beginning. Give, give yourself another shout out here.
1: All right, guys, uh, like Sam mentioned at the beginning, I'm Evan Birchmore. I'm a contributor with Swarm and Sting uh, with the Fan sided Network. We cover the Charlotte Hornets. I'm on Twitter at Evan Birchmore, E-V-A-N-B-I-R-C-H-M-O-R-E. I'll be sure to interact with any mentions I get, DMs, whatever it is. I love talking about basketball. Uh, So if you're on Twitter, be sure and uh, connect with me and follow me on there. I'll be sure and follow back. Uh, And thank you guys for tuning into the show.
0: All righty. Thank you, Evan. Thank you out there for listening.